0: You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin.
1: Guys, I'm super excited to have you back today. Listening to this podcast, it is unconventional. It's different, but it's highly relevant. What am I talking about? I'm interviewing two mattress guys today. That's right, they run mattress companies, but they're really customer service gurus, and they're authors of a book called Come Back to Bed, Attract More Foot Traffic, and Make People Fall in Love with Your Store. We're going to talk all about hooks, touching people in a personal way, creating stories around your business that set you apart from the competition, and company culture. You know, culture is either something that you create or something you tolerate, You're not going to want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and these are engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and in this particular episode, deliver amazing customer service experiences. I'm talking to Dos Marcos, two guys named Mark, and they're mattress guys. And why is this important, and why should you listen? Well, they have the keys to incredible customer service, driving more foot traffic, traffic to your business and making your customers love you and they are authors of a new book it's called come back to bed attract more foot traffic and make people fall in love with your store welcome to the show mark and mark how's it going guys hey roger
0: Great, roger thanks for having us
1: Yeah. I mean, this is really cool. I love unconventional podcasts because most of the time, as our audience knows, it's all about the restaurant business. It's all about best practices and finance and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to get into the service aspects of things, but you're mattress guys, you know, but this is going to be a really interesting episode. One, you're really dynamic personalities. You've got a ton of charisma. You're authors of a book that I think is highly relevant to our audience. And I really want to get into this um, episode, but before we do, let's talk about the backstory. It's like, I understand that one of you guys has some restaurant experience. Tell us a little bit about that. But then what we really want to know is, okay, you're, you're running mattress companies, but how do you suddenly write a book on attracting foot traffic and creating intense brand loyalty for a restaurant. That's really interesting stuff to us. So take it away. Sure.
2: Well, I'll tell you, my, my background was in high school. I didn't want to mow yards anymore. So I decided to go and look at the local Bennigans for a job as a server because I thought I could do that. I like people and I thought it would be a lot of fun. And I knew you could make some money doing it. So I started there, worked at Bennigan's, Steak & Ale, eventually got behind the bar, which is what I really wanted. And so I started to bartend. at Bennigan's, for instance, I when I first started bartending there, I realized quickly I had a guy sitting at my bar and he played harmonica. And all the girls at the bar were like so intoxicated uh, on the booze, but maybe more on the harmonica. And they watch this guy play this harmonica and everyone was just like glued to him. And I thought, you know, I know something about music. I bet I could pick that up. So I taught myself harmonica and then turned my bar into, instead of a place to go drink beer and experience for everyone at my bar. So it was very rare if you were sitting at my bar that you were having a conversation with the person you came with. It usually ended up by the end of the night, everyone at the bar engaged in the same conversation, singing songs and having a good time. So I, I learned early on that creating cool experiences for people, that's how you made money. And that's where I made a bunch of tips. So it was a lot of fun to do. And then I ended up in the high-end side of restaurants. So I helped open... Uh, four or five star place in Houston, and so I got a little bit of experience with that. And now my business partners own a vineyard uh, in Napa Valley called Elman Family Vineyards. Uh, great grapes there, so I, I'm, I still have my hand in it a little bit. But yeah, I loved it. And then in, when I went to college, ended up uh, in the mattress business. And Kinsley and I got to know each other. So he was part of my marketing agency. And he was just so incredibly good. He was uh, younger than I would and brought perspective I didn't have. So I learned so much from him and eventually hired him to come to work at the company I was at and sucked him inside of the mattress business for good. And so we just ended up collaborating. He kept talking to me about doing a podcast on the mattress industry. I thought he was insane. He had a a great background in radio. Uh, And so we ended up doing a podcast in the mattress space and have been going strong ever since. And we just love it. And we love it, Roger, because like you, we're here to serve our audience and serve people. And it doesn't really matter what industry you're in, because there are some strong similarities. And the ones we're going to talk about today is how do you really make people fall in love with who you are yeah. and what you do? And if you do that, there is a massive payout for you. So you're not spending the kind of money other people do on advertising and other things. You can literally bring them in based on some of the things you do. So that's kind of the background and how we kind of got into it.
0: You know, I, I also have a, a, a background in the restaurant business, a little bit of a different story.
2: Eating doesn't count necessarily for this. I don't think that's where he's going.
0: I was, I was a dishwasher in the back kitchen <laughs> at a small family owned business. And I worked with a couple of guys that were convicted felons and then another guy who at one point started talking about how he could uh, rob the owner. And I thought, I don't think this is for me. And then my next experience in the restaurant business was I was a pizza delivery guy and I and I was making my deliveries. I felt like I was good at my job until somebody stole my keys out of my car while it was sitting in the parking lot of the pizza joint. And I thought, I, I just don't know if this is for me. So That's what led me to be the midnight to 5 a.m. guy at a radio station where the first piece of advice I got was from the old crusty DJ, Hey, how's your voice? And I was like, I'm 19, like, it's not great. And he goes, Well, here. And he hands me a pack of cigarettes and he says, Just smoke in between your stop sets and then make sure and drink coffee all night too. So midnight to 5 a.m., I was ripping cigs and drinking coffee and that's how I got out of the restaurant business into the radio gig.
2: I want to know, did you rip that guy off? And if you did, what did you get?
0: How, what was your take? What do you mean rip him off? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were
2: conspiring I, to steal from the owner of the restaurant. I want to know, did you end up taking him down? There's
0: no conspiring whenever it's a one-way conversation. And I'm like, okay, I think I think this is probably <laughs> yeah, not yeah. the uh, the environment for me. I'm going to exit stage right here. And then awesome. I met Mark Quinn, the real criminal. Mm,
1: God. You guys have this really awesome sort of banter back and forth. It sounds like you have a ton of fun in your everyday gig and now your everyday gig is somewhat pivoted. You're still in the mattress business, but now you're authors of this book and you also focus on, you know, helping other businesses. You're getting into consulting. You're also getting into podcasting, I understand, um, this is really amazing because will you completely leave the mattress business and just focus on media and sharing your knowledge with the world? Like what's your future plan?
0: It's it's a godfather thing. Once you're in the mattress yeah. business, it always pulls you back in. So <laughs> no, Quinn and I are both responsible for companies. I run Englander, okay. which is a top 15 U.S. Yeah. mattress company. Quinn's co-founder is Spink & Co. We've done 192 episodes of the Galaxy's Greatest Mattress Industry Podcast. Of course, it, maybe it's the only one, but that's okay. It's a category of yeah, yeah. one. Right, uh, but right. we loved our industry, and we knew that when we started the podcast, we wanted to have a voice with the most influential person when it comes to buying a mattress, which is the retail sales associate. I mean, it's just like a server mm-hmm. being there yeah, face-to-face absolutely true. with the customer uh-huh. and asking for recommendations. They have a ton of influence in that way, and we wanted to have a voice and uh, inspire them. Influence them to, to to be better at their jobs, to have purpose behind their jobs, because it's not just about white rectangles. It's about helping people get a better night of sleep, and sleep impacts every moment of your life. If you're sleeping bad at night, you know it because you're tossing and turning. If you slept bad the night before, you're tired and groggy and cranky all day. So yep. there's a there's a ton of purpose behind our products, and we want to bring those to the surface. And we do that through the podcast and through are speaking in different things, but we love serving this industry.
1: Okay, so I'm getting the sense that that was key, by the way. I love the analogy of the server and the service that is provided to the customer and the influence that a server has over what the customer orders, how they enjoy the experience, how much money they spend. All that kind of stuff is important in the restaurant business. But I totally, I mean, we all get the connection of, okay, you got to reach that key influencer when a customer is shopping for a mattress and they don't know what they're looking for. And yeah, they're going to try this one and they're going to try that one. And they don't know if this one has a warranty, if that one's going to last 10 years, how many times you got to flip it. Does it have a pillow top, like all that stuff is important. But the knowledge, the expert that has the knowledge is the key and you decided to reach them. But then the bigger picture was, wow, you know, we can really influence the world in a variety of ways, make it a better place and help businesses succeed. We're going to write a book. I mean, is that what happened?
2: Yeah, I think so. I I think what we did is we just saw some consistent threads. It's kind of like you, Roger, you're like a a guide in your own industry. We kind of feel like the same thing Mm. because we do a podcast show. uh, A lot of people come to us with information and we learn a lot from them. So we like to be the curators of the cool and kind of take that information and share best practices out across the platform because we think that if we help the industry understand the business that they're in, then the whole industry and the entire category gets better. So here's a question mm-hmm. for you. I get it. And for anyone listening to this show, what business are you in? Because thank you. When, yeah, because whenever we talk You're about right. it and we're training yeah. people in the in the category. So I they go they'll that. say Yeah. They'll say, we sell mattresses. I'm like, no, it's not the business you're in. The business you're in is the life improvement business because sleep can really make a big difference to your quality of your life. And mostly these days, health, right? Mental health, physical health. So the restaurant part of it, it's not about serving food, right? It's about the purpose behind that, which is when I go to a place, Mm -hmm. it's the experience of that. It's how I feel when I walk in and it's how I feel when I leave. It's about fellowship. It's about quality of time. And, and so I think that is the opportunity inside there. And it really, the principles apply because the, the thing that Kinsley and I wrote about in our book, I think that's so relevant to your business is if you can differentiate who you are. So we say in the book, decide to do it differently. And I think in the restaurant business, that is the biggest, oper- one of the biggest opportunities as I see it. You walk into so many different places and it's the same thing. You go and you order, you have a, a meal and then you end up leaving and paying the check how much creativity is really put into a lot of that, right? So how many people have a unique story to tell? How many people are delivering a unique experience? How many people are, like the minute you walk in the door, what is that moment of truth when they first step in? What are they smelling? What are they seeing? What does the menu look like? What are the people saying to you when you walk in? What are the hosts doing that are different than every other single freaking place that they can go do that? And we really drive hard and pushing the people who listen in our audiences That's number one. You have to look at your business and you have to say to yourself, why do I look the same as everyone else? Or if everyone else has Italian food, how do I differentiate what we do and who we are? Because if you don't do that, then the future few is not going to look good. Kinsley, isn't kind
1: of that where your head was?
0: I'll just say amen.
1: Amen, Amen, baby. There you go. So we're talking about two things. We're talking about a unique sales proposition. We're also talking about the lifetime value of a customer. And very few restaurants, in my experience, have really zeroed in on those two things. You asked about what business are you in. It's like when I coach and consult restaurants, the first question I ask is, okay, what business are you in? It's so funny that you asked you said that. And, of course, the answer is, oh, I'm a restaurant owner-manager and I run restaurants. I sell food and drink. And I'm like, no, you know, that's when I was in the business of, you know, restaurant business. I was not in the business of running a restaurant I was in the business of running a business and those are two entirely different things and my products were not food and beverage they were entertainment consistency and a whole lot of good times and I believe the restaurant business is show business. It's entertainment, and it is about what you say, the experience, and you can't do that without a rock-solid staff. So, you know, the foundation of your business is your staff. How well you train them translates into a great customer experience, and of course, when you give them a great experience, they're going to spend more money, and that's the bottom line. So, all those things combine to set yourselves apart from the competition, which you also said. It's like you're selling commodities, right? There's lots of mattresses out there. You, you may have the best mattress on earth, but if you don't differentiate what makes your mattresses special and, you know, gives the customer a better night's sleep and really improves their life, you know, what's the point? So I think we're totally on the same page. I think there's a lot of nuggets of information for the, for the listener there.
0: Roger, one of the things that comes to mind when you talk about culture, yeah, especially in an environment like this is the Magic Castle Hotel. You lived in LA. It was out in that, in that area. And there's a story that I love, and it goes to the the spirit of culture is what you create or what you tolerate. And if you're going to have a culture of effervescence within a restaurant environment, you have to cultivate that or it's going to be something that you tolerate. And the story is, there's a couple that came to the Magic Castle Hotel. And by the way, at the Magic Castle Hotel, they have a Popsicle phone. You pick it up, you call for a Popsicle. That's Uh, awesome. So the couple came out there. They were Marilyn Monroe super fans. And they were going to go to her grave and the wax museum and all the different spots that were uniquely Marilyn Monroe. So Uh they come to the Magic Castle Hotel. And they told the person at the front desk and they were smiling, having a good time. So the next day they go out for this adventure around Marilyn Monroe, the Marilyn Monroe themed adventure. And they come back to their hotel that night. And they closed the door and there's a poster of Marilyn Monroe on the back of their door with a thought bubble that said, thank you for visiting my grave and spending time with me today. I hope you had a great time. And, and this couple, you know, put that in the review. They told all their friends about it, but here's, here's the kicker. That front desk clerk got a thousand dollars because at the magic castle hotel, they don't reward people for anything except stories. And I think there's, there's magic in that, oh, true, yeah. true magic, because whenever you're sharing stories, it creates culture and it highlights good actors within your environment. And those stories are easy to share and they're fun to highlight. And it's something you can turn into marketing materials. It's something you can repurpose in a bunch of different ways. So that culture piece, especially during trying times, I was talking to a board member of mine the other day and he said, my main role, I was asked, what's your main role? It's defining the tone of optimism for my organization. Wow. That's so powerful. That is huge. What
1: you just said, like, oh, that story like so motivates me. I mean, that is the key differentiator that really sets you apart. I mean, this is about dominating the competition, which is really what a restaurant should be thinking about. I mean, it is a competitive landscape out there. It's probably one of the most, if not the most competitive business I've ever been in that I've ever seen. And you can't just open the doors and expect that people are going to walk in and wait for that to happen. No, you got to go out there and you got to turn things upside down and be a guerrilla marketer and come up with really unique you know, genuine, but unique sales propositions, and then convince every single person that follows you that, Hey, this place is different. It's, it's more fun. It's this, it's that it's like, and then your staff have to be fully indoctrinated in what makes you special. It's about product knowledge. It's about restaurant knowledge. It's about creating those stories that you just talked about that make people say, wow, wow that was an experience. I'm going to go right to Yelp and TripAdvisor and I'm going to tell every person I know that was a unique experience. I'm going back there. Nobody else does what they do. That's your goal in this business, you know? And there's so many details. I mean, I say this all the time in this podcast. It is literally the business of a thousand details, but that is job one, developing that staff that create these stories that touch customers in a personal way and really set your business on fire and get intense loyalty. That's really what it's about. Otherwise, you might as well just pack it in and go home, you
2: know? You know, Roger, I want to take something Kinsley said and and pull back a little bit. It's such a great story. Yes, and, it is. And, 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 and part of the theme of that story is this. Where is the emotion in your business, right? And so for everyone listening to this in the restaurant business, I want mean, you to really think hard about it. I want mean, you to think about your website. I want you to think about the things you're saying on your website. I want you to think about your social media channels. I want you to think about what your host says the minute that the customer walks in the door. I want you to think about the way your bartender talks about specials and drinks. I want you to think about how your server says hello and goodbye. I want you to think about what they write on the check. I want you to think about everything that happens when they come to pick up an order to go. Where's the emotion in what you do? Because I I would think, Kinsley, if you and I had a restaurant, right? We would be in the memory making business, right? Because we have a place where people can come in. If, you, if you're if you able right now in a restaurant, they're going to come into your space and you want to make a memory for them. When people set up my bar, take it back to that. When they left my bar, they didn't forget that, right? They could have gone to 10 other bars on the same street, but if they came to my bar when they left there, there was something to talk about. And I made them feel something. I made them feel included. I make them feel important. And I help them have fun. It is about emotion. Yeah. And so if you're creating an experience that makes them feel something about you, that is what drives action, right? That's when you get the kick-ass yep. help review. That's when you get mm-hmm. them coming back. That's when you get them telling someone about their friend. And look, table stakes. Don't tell us that you've got great food. I don't care about that. It's table stakes. Don't tell me that your server's bring the check on time and they get food out in under seven minutes because that's what cook time says. I don't care about any of that. If you don't do that, you shouldn't be in business anyway. Well, we The real value in gold is in how you make them feel. Go ahead, Kinsley.
0: People all the time great. say it's quality, it's value, it's our people. And I think that's that's the piggyback here for me on what Quinn was saying. If you're going to tell me it's your people, I'm going to ask you, tell me one great story about how your people make a difference. And if it's, it's what I call hollow language. And hollow language are these abstract concepts that we often as business owners apply to our business to tell the world what makes us different. But hollow language is just that. There's nothing vivid attached to it that actually helps differentiate your business or helps a consumer understand what you mean by value, what you mean by quality, what you mean by it's our people, what you mean by family owned, because it means nothing anymore. So you need vivid examples to back that up. One of the stories we tell, talk about in the book is right in your backyard, Portland Mattress Makers. I went up and set, spent time with George Samaras and he said people in, in Maine, especially in Portland, were crazy about, about buying local. And So we went through this time and time again. I'm like, George, local doesn't really mean anything to people. I go, how do we prove that Portland Mattress Makers is local? And he goes, well, we have a factory. I go, bingo. Everything we do from now on is all about the factory because it is a vivid, specific, paint a picture example of what it means to be local. So when you're thinking about your people and you say that's your differentiator, be ready to tell a story and do tell that story. Champion it. Go up to the top of the mountain with your trumpet and blow the horn.
1: Made in America, baby. It's not offshore. We do it the right way right here. Uh, down east, Main- I mean, God, I love it. I mean, that's a core story right there that very few people can say. And there is a family, I'm sure, that works there. People that have been there for a long, long time doing it the right way because they care about quality, they care about service, and it's the American way. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, and that's just one small example of of what you're talking about.
0: You know, in the restaurant business, I I find another parallel here that I think could be Mm -hmm. meaningful for people. Yeah. We talk a lot about winning in the transitions. Okay. So when somebody comes into a furniture or mattress store, most of the time they're going through some sort of transition. They bought a house, they moved to a new town, they've got a kid going to college, they got a divorce, you know, they bought a lake house. There's some sort of transition typically going on. They're remodeling. And so in the transitions, that's where we can win because transitions create times of uncertainty. In uncertainty, you want an ironclad guarantee about an outcome. You want to know what's going to happen. And if somebody is going to be that person that steps in and truly helps you out, you're going to reward them with your business and your loyalty. Think about this from the restaurant business standpoint. How many people that come into your restaurant? families, individuals, couples are going through some sort of transition. Birthdays are a transition. Mm -hmm. Anniversaries are a transition. Mm -hmm. Moving to a new town and trying to figure out where you want to eat. Those are all transitions. And if the staff can figure out what kind of transition those guests are going through, they have an opportunity for another T word, transformations. Because when you become a part of somebody's life long term, you can be a part of that transformation. And in the, in our business, it's all about sleep. And we talk about when somebody comes in to buy a mattress, this is your one chance every decade to hopefully have a positive impact on their sleep and therefore their entire life. We should take that very seriously. What does that transition and that transformation look like in the restaurant business? That's for your, your team to tease out. But those transitions are there and transitions are times of uncertainty, and you're looking for somebody to help you out most of the time. Yeah, or, or have let's, fun let's, with you. Take your mind off of it.
2: Let's go a little bit deeper with some examples or some ideas. I mean, you know, just from my experience, when you go into a restaurant, one of the transitions is, and it's a lost opportunity, when you go in and you're on a wait like what's happening during that time? I mean, you walk into the lobby area, right? There's some benches and things that people are sitting at. Maybe there's some flow that pushes into the bar. What are you doing with those people right there? Do something for them. Bring them water. Give them a little snack. Give them a free little taste of an appetizer. Yes. Go out and walk and talk to them. But every single restaurant that people go in, if I don't come if I come into your place and it's a 30 minute wait, I'm out. But if I come into your place, it's a 30 minute wait, but you do something to show me that you care about the fact that I have to wait and you do something cool. It's a coloring book, it's anything. Yeah. Do something in that transition. How about DoorDash? All these guys were making money. Now DoorDash is bigger than ever. Do you know it would be so cool if a DoorDash guy brings me my fruit from your restaurant and I open the bag and there's a note? or a picture, or a puzzle, or a joke, or a free cookie, or something in the bag from you that, again, like, completely differentiates you from every other guy out there sitting food and pushing it out of his kitchen. It is an experience. It is something memorable. And I give you credit. I promise I may not say anything about it, but I'm going to get a smile on my face because you did something different to earn my
1: business little something extras is what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. But we also touched on the fact that taking care of the kids is so important. I learned a long time ago that the kids often determine where a family goes out to eat. And if you become the fun place that you take care of those kids and make those kids feel like VIPs, they're going to tell mom, and dad, we want to go back there. So we had about, you know, 20 or 30 different things that really touched the kids in a personal way and made it fun for them. And then we also talked about the wait, you know, nobody wants a 30 minute wait, but if you can convince the customer that it's just as much fun waiting for a table as it is actually getting seated at that table by providing things that they can do besides sitting on the bench, like you talked about, that is a key to success. We did all those things.
2: You know, there's a a quick example, Lambert's restaurant, Kinsley knows I love talking about these guys. It's a Mm -hmm. silly thing. Like their food's good. They serve family style food. But when you walk into their restaurant, if you want to roll, it's called the throne roll. And this is so simple, but it costs you nothing. Think yeah. about it. That uh-huh. You walk in and if you want a homemade, beautiful, big, puffy, gorgeous, tasting, incredible smelling roll, the guy will throw it to you. From across the restaurant. So he's got this big basket, right? And yeah, so yeah. you walk in, and you go, hey, dude, hook me up. And he'll, like, launch a, a roll at you. But people love it. And yes, all it is cool. is a guy throwing a roll. And so yeah, everyone yeah. remembers yeah. it. And it's fun. It and is. it's something to take away. So,
1: that's totally cool. See, these are these are I love the word hook. You know, everybody knows that a hook is a unique nugget of information that sets you apart from your competition. It might be a way of doing business, a practice, or something quirky or cool or weird like what you just talked about. It's the things people remember that nobody else does that brings people in the door, that gives you those great online reviews and gets people talking. You can't have too many hooks in the restaurant business. You just can't.
0: And that's one of those things, Roger, we talk about in the book is, you know, you you have to do something that interrupts the schema, the guesser. Our brains are incredibly good at guessing what's going to happen next. It's a survival mechanism. So you really do have to do something that probably feels a little uncomfortable, maybe wacky, silly, or out there. But that's the only way you're going to get people to interrupt that guesser and get them to leave that online review because something so specific and Memorable happen that was out of the norm. So if it feels even remotely normal to you Then you haven't gone far enough. We talk about this in the book We have the hatch method and the hat the hatch method is all about hatching Brilliant ideas and it's our brainstorm method. We've used for years and it, it probably the, the the critical piece for me um, is whenever you're having a brainstorm you need to Number one, define roles and you need to make sure everybody's going to use the yes and method. Brainstorms are all about volume of ideas. Nothing gets shut down. You're not going to select ideas until the next day after you take a nap because sleep makes neural connections that aren't available during your conscious state. So we really do recommend step away. And so the next day you're going to select ideas, but during the brainstorm, you're going for volume of ideas. And invariably, if you're building on each other's ideas, what's going to happen is it's going to get silly and once the moment it gets silly and wacky and weird keep going because you're about to push past that which is obvious and when you get to something that's non-obvious that's when you can surprise the brain surprise is the foundation of delight
1: that's beautiful you know the entertainment piece I talked about earlier, you know, kids want to go to the fun place. We had servers that juggled at the tables, told jokes at the tables. They were like camp counselors to the kids at the tables, gave them a piece of pizza dough that they could play with and throw around. It's like there's so many nuggets of of power in that in in how you reach each customer how you figure out what those transitions are how it's all small talk at the table right it's it's building friendships with your customers as if they were a a loyal long-time customer not a first-time visitor i mean all that stuff is is pretty killer powerful it is,
2: and one of the things Kinsley was talking about there, it's important to also understand who you are. So when you get done with your brainstorm, it's really great. You're going to have some ideas. If you're fine dining, then throwing rolls at people probably not. A good no, idea. no, no.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's got to fit. You know, right. right?
2: But so part of it though is understanding who you are. A lot of people don't understand their brand. We talk about this in the book as well. Personify your brand. If you're if you're restaurant. We're a person, Roger, and they walk through the door right now. What are they wearing, right? What kind of clothes do they have on? What does their playlist uh, look like? Uh, What kind of movies do they attend? What are they reading? What do they eat? Where do they go for food? Because at the end of the day, if you don't know who you are, like really know who you are, that's a problem. Then ask your employees, who are we? If If this restaurant was a person, ask them the same question and get them to talk about that. And then the third party you ask is your customer. And ask them, if we were a person, what would what would they look like? And here's what you're going to find. What you think you are versus what your employees think you are versus what your customers think you are are rarely the same. And then the fourth and most important component here is, who do you want to be? Like, what are you trying to project? Because once you have the answer to the first three groups, and then you look at aspirational thinking, you go, this is what we really want to be, then you can understand what do we do? How do we go forward? And how do we accomplish becoming that? And then when these hatch idea methods that Kinsley just talked about, when you have those, then you'll know which ones to pick that will fit for you when you actually start becoming that
1: version of yourself that you want to be. Does that make sense? It absolutely does, completely. Yeah. You touched on that whole local connection piece. Let's, let's get a little bit deeper into the importance of building that community connection and how we do that. I think that's really powerful stuff.
0: Well, we start off, here's how we tend to think about this. And it goes back to a story from a great book that's called the 22 immutable laws of marketing. It's a really great book. The story goes like this. Who was the first person to fly across the Atlantic ocean? It was Lindberg. Charles Lindbergh. Yeah. Who was second? He did it faster and better by all metrics. But nobody remembers or nobody, nobody knows. remembers. So who is the third person to fly across the Atlantic? There wasn't a third person. There was only the first woman, Amelia Earhart. See Charles Lindbergh created the category. And even though Bert Hinkler did it second and he did it better, nobody remembers who he is. So in your local marketplace, if there's the best pizza joint, they were first, you don't try to make better pizza than them. You try to do what Amelia Earhart did, which is create a category in which you can be first. And when you define that position in the marketplace, then you're playing your own game. Because if you play somebody else's game, they're going to be better at it than you. They will be because they've already planted that seed in somebody's mind and they own that real estate in the consumer's mind space. So you don't wanna to try to play, play their game. So we really are passionate about finding a position in the marketplace where you can be first. And that's where you gotta brainstorm that out and, and there's really some deep dive work to do there, but it's, it's possible, it is absolutely possible. And then when you get into how do we magnify our brand with our with our involvement in our community, we do, we we kind of made a joke out of it. We we called it how do you get Bigfoot traffic, like Bigfoot the Sasquatch? Uh-huh, but you gotta uh-huh. have a cage. And the cage is stands for Community Answers Giving Experiences. So how do you be more involved in your community? How can you be a source of answers and information if you're maybe more wonky? You know, maybe your restaurant is one that, you know, outlines all the science behind every piece of pepperoni you put on the pie, you know, it, it, and that could be, you know, we provide answers because that's part of our brand. Giving is just that. How do I give back to my community? Maybe it's monetarily, maybe it's time on boards. And then experiences is one that's going to sing to the hearts of the course of those in the restaurant business. How do I create an experience that's so memorable? Um, people have to talk about it. And this is, the, this is the bar for that. It has to be remarkable. And the word remarkable literally means you are going to go and remark upon it un- hmm. unprompted. So that, that bar, like that baseline for getting somebody to go walk away from your restaurant and tell somebody else without being spurred, you have to think that through and, and accomplish that. Otherwise, it's not remarkable. Nobody talked about it.
1: I totally get it. I love that cages analogy. I like analogies in general because I think they can be—they can form the basis of a mission statement. It's something you can use in training. Um, you know, when we ran restaurants, we had a—we had a—you know—analogy that was faces or an acronym. I'm sorry, not an analogy, an acronym. So faces stood for friendly, attentive, caring, efficient, and selling. Those were the core ingredients that we thought. Our staff needed to be anyone who interacted with a guest. They needed to be friendly. They needed to be attentive, not just attentive, but to anticipate needs before the customer had that need. That was a super competitive advantage alone. You know, we trained every front of house staffer to literally. We didn't have servers and bartenders and hosts and bussers. We had a choreographed team where everybody could make a suggestion. Everyone could improve the customer's experience. Everyone could deliver you know that unique sales proposition even the bussers could suggest a, a bottle or a glass of wine they would they would notice that that customer needed something and take care of it before the customer asked it was amazing they would multitask they would back each other up as a team so that's the attentive part take into the next level the caring part is you got to hire people that really care about serving the public and they have a true desire to interact with customers, be social, be friendly, and make friends with the customer. That's That goes without saying. Efficiency is obviously being able to save steps and do things well because those that are inefficient quickly fall into the weeds. You know, that famous expression, oh, they're in the weeds, it's Saturday at 7.30. It's like, it's chaos. They don't have time to make suggestions. They're just surviving out there. It's like the customers are getting bad experiences. They're waiting for the check. I mean, we eliminated all that through that teamwork and, and backing each other up thing. That's the efficiency part. And then the salesmanship is the lifeblood of the business. Everyone needs to be so well-versed in the menu, and in the restaurant, and in the hooks, and what makes the business special. And we all need to be sharing these messages that subliminally the customers remember that bring them back again and get them talking, but importantly, increasing the check averages. So that's, you know, that's my acronym.
2: No, I love that. And you you made me think, Roger, about, it goes back to purpose, and Kinsley talked about it earlier, it's culture, Hmm. right? Yeah. You create it or you tolerate it. And, and I have to think if, if I had yes. a restaurant, one of the things I would say to my entire staff, maybe even every single day before the shift started was, look, we don't know what people are dealing with right now, especially right now, right? Um, people are in a really unique place. Um, the, the mental stress, oh, yeah. uh, the isolation, the loneliness, mm-hmm. the desire to be out among people, but be safe at the same time. I think I would say to everyone before we started our shift, if it was Kinsley and I's restaurant, I think we would tell our staff, you don't know what people are dealing with today. And we have no idea what they're bringing here. Let's help them leave it at the door and let's do something to serve them or take them away, give them an escape for the next 60 minutes that they're in our place let's make them feel something. Let's make them feel special. Let's give them a little attention that maybe they weren't going to get. Let's give them a safe place to be with people so that they're, in, they're, they're making a memory, even if it's just a small kindness from us. But if you are legitimately in that business, if that is the culture, if that is who you are as a manager or an owner of a business, that rolls downhill. Your people are going to understand it, and they're going to live that. It's not something printed on a menu, to Kinsley's point earlier. This is something you live. It's something that you are. And if that's part of your culture, I guarantee you just that one thing will separate you from so many other places that are serving food to, to people.
1: Hallelujah. Now you guys sort of have a mantra or a tagline and it's become notorious in your marketplace. I love that. Can you one define notorious and then tell our listeners how you create that magic, that power, that, that je ne sais quoi of that word. What does that word mean to you?
0: Notorious is the highest achievement in your marketplace. And what we mean by that is not, the criminal definition of notorious. Yeah, right, right, right. But you can look at mob bosses yes. and say Al Capone was notorious, mm-hmm. meaning just by hearing the name Al Capone, you knew what he stood for and you knew the cachet that he carried. You didn't have to know him personally. You didn't even have to interact with them at any point in your life because Al Capone was notorious for his behavior. Now, your behavior is going to be very different than Capone, but that is what you have to be known for. It has to precede you in your marketplace because people are walking away saying, holy cow, I cannot believe this happened. This is the place to go for X, Y, and Z. And that's notorious. I mean, this is something that like I said earlier, it has to be worthy of being remarked upon unprompted. If you're having to like spur people, like cattle prod them to leave you a review or to talk to their friends and neighbors about yeah. it through through direct mailing or advertising mm-hmm. or whatever else you're trying to put out in your marketplace, then they didn't have the experience that creates that the conditions for being notorious. A word comes to
1: mind, aura. You're creating an aura. So you mentioned Al Capone. You may have never, ever met the man if you lived back in that era, of course. But again, his reputation for who he was and his behavior preceded him. And you could be around the world and know exactly what he stood for and what he was famous or notorious for. And a restaurant can do the same thing. And we're talking about creating an aura that, that spreads like virally that spreads, you know, through social media spreads through word of mouth. I mean, that's always been the most powerful form of marketing anyway. It's like, don't spend tens of thousand of dollars on radio, print and TV shotgun approach advertising. It's like, no, create an aura around your brand so that the customers just spread the word, you know? And, and
0: here's the, here's the follow up to that. It's a great, it's a great way of thinking about it. An aura. Um Let's talk about pirate ships for a moment because this mm-hmm. will illustrate it. Yep. <laughs> when Go you're ahead. building your brand, it's, a, it's like this. So let's say that you're standing on the shore of Casco Bay in Maine and a, a legitimate tall ship sails into the harbor and a crew on board starts raising up the skull and crossbones Jolly Roger flag. Yeah, People are gathered around and they're seeing this happen and the cannons start getting rolling to the edge of the ship, what do people do? They run. They get out of dodge. Unless you're a pirate. Then you go get on your ship. This is the type of being notorious that we're talking about. If you are unashamedly who you are, and you have that position in your marketplace, you will attract your pirates and you will be notorious because pirates are notorious for what they do. So you're going to make people hate you. Our book is, look, it's right here. The subtitle to our book is attract more foot traffic and make people fall in love with your store. The, The subhead to our book could have easily been attract more foot traffic by making people hate your store. Because if somebody hates you, somebody over here loves you. The middle is death. And that is the death. opposite of notorious. It's death, Roger.
2: <laughs> He's right. You don't want to be in the middle. And you know, it's funny because if you create that environment Kinsley's talking about, if you have a pirate ship, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, well, how do I do that with my restaurant? Right? I don't have that now. That's not my culture now. Like, where do I start? Start here. Start hiring one person that is a pirate. Right. Start hiring one person that is that future state. It is that personified brand that you want to be. Right, and one person that can help you achieve that because one person will attract another person just like them. That will attract another person just like them. And the more, and then all of a sudden, if you're this pirate ship that people like to go to because they're pirates, then all of a sudden, um, what happens? You're hiring now. All of a sudden, you are attracting employees that are pirates because they have been to eat at your place or they want to be a pirate too. Or you have customers that dig the experience. And so now they're attracted to the same thing. So Kinsley's right. Don't be in the middle, stand for something and you
1: will attract that into your world. This whole podcast started with you telling us about your bartending experiences. Mm -hmm. and the harmonica story and the first thing that came to mind was that song by billy joel piano man you were the piano Mm -hmm. man although you played the harmonica but it's like you know sing us a song you're piano man you know you got us feeling all right we're all in the mood for melody all that kind of stuff and then that tv show cheers came to mind and i always used to train my staff you know what it really is the cheers formula it's like people want to go where everyone knows their name where they feel special whether they're a first-time visitor or a, a longtime customer. And then the pirate ship thing brings to mind, a long time ago, you know, I think I went on vacation with my parents to Las Vegas when I was a kid or something. And when you walk down that strip, there are so many different auras and and magical experiences vying for your attention like there was a pirate ship battle at the treasure island hotel in the lagoon where one pirate ship actually sank the the british other ship and sank it in the lagoon and all that stuff there was a volcano erupting there was a beam of light you know shooting off that hotel it's like all those hooks And I used to take all those ideas and transform them into our own hooks at the restaurant that captured the imagination of the public where they looked around and they said, wow, check that out. What's this about? Wow, this is interesting. And it was not just about the food and the drink, although all that stuff was great, but that's a given. Everyone can serve good food and drink. It's about the experience. All these things are about creating memorable experiences that you talked about. You know, that's... Wow. If you could just bottle that and sell it, you'd make millions of dollars. I mean, you you are right now. I mean, that that idea. You just
2: have to create it, right? And and, 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 and I think in full disclosure, it's important for me to tell you that I learned how to play that harmonica to pick up girls. No. The other stuff
1: like worked is good best, for you. Like,
2: benefit later, so that was the inspiration. Yeah, we took great. That.
1: Well, isn't that what yeah. music is about anyway? How many people join rock bands just to get the girls? And you guys are musicians anyway, right? There's an yeah, element no, of that,
2: no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. But it it really is about the fun part. You know, I think yeah. about restaurants too, Roger. This is an interesting word, crave. Right. So I mm-hmm. can think of the 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 my favorite places to go. And yes. there's a, a, a place I like to go that has this killer, incredible pimento cheese appetizer that's spicy, but it's just good. I crave that. Okay. Uh, there's another place I go that has some of the best wings I've ever had. I crave that food. I want that food. So the question is, what is the experience you're creating that people crave, right? Or is there one? And if you can do that on top of the food being something that they crave, wow, like that's a pretty cool thing. And if you just create the experience that they crave uh, in addition to the food,
1: then you have really got something special. Incredible story, incredible ideas, incredible knowledge base. I mean, I recommend everyone pick up a copy of that book. I think that's great. So your website is www.dosmarcos.com. And I'm guessing the book is available there. Is it dot also, co
0: Roger, because
1: we oh, couldn't afford the dot co I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So it's dose Marcos.co. <laughs> yeah, we had to leave.
0: We had to leave off the end because uh, oh, thanks it, for was, telling it was, it was taken by a villa in Italy, which we're going to go to at some oh. point. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's interesting too, uh, for me, because I was standing around a fire because I have to see my friends outside these days. Mm-hmm. and one of my buddies uh, i had two two buddies were there. one of them works in learning and development for a big international company, and one of them works for a big drug company that's just recently developed a vaccine. and both of them had picked up the book, and these are not the guys that I would expect to pick up the book, and they had they said they just talked about the principles within the book that apply to any business. And I thought that was a great compliment because we wanted somebody to be able to blow the dust off this cover in 10 years when they're going through a reset and start applying the principles of positioning and brand building and creativity and pulling the levers to attract foot traffic to your store. We wanted that to be something that was relatively timeless. And we wrote the book because in our industry the number one challenge is attracting foot traffic and we knew that and we we hear it all the time from the thousands of dealers that we serve with our mattress companies and look on the backside of this craziness that we're in the middle of people are going to come back to restaurants they're going to come back to stores they want something experiential they want to make memories and we talk about winning in the transitions well whenever transitions happen whenever paradigms are interrupted, new worlds emerge. This is your chance to reimagine who you're going to be and what experience you're gonna create and do that deep dive work and get after it and be the preferred brand on the backside that people come to because you are notorious. Love it. That's awesome, guys. Fantastic,
1: we covered a lot of ground today and you just answered my last question without me asking it, you know? again how do you compete in such a competitive marketplace in such a crowded world? Everyone sort of cluttering up the universe with their marketing messages that don't really offer any solid value that just tries to get customers in the door. But what can you do to really set yourself apart? And I think you guys hit it like from start to finish. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Great being here, Roger.
0: Thanks for having us.
2: Thanks, Roger. Appreciate it so much. You're doing a great job. And uh,
1: to everyone listening, thanks for tuning in. Thank you both again. This is great. So again, go to www.dosmarcos.co. You can get the book. You can check it all out. And I appreciate you listening. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. Stay tuned. Wow. What a fantastic episode. I can't remember the last time that I was literally hanging on every word. These two guys are the curators of the cool. They were super dynamic, super charismatic, but underneath it all, their message is clear. Okay. Customer service is a true differentiator, it's a unique sales proposition, it's understanding the lifetime value of a customer and how you can capture a dominant market share, and being notorious in your marketplace. You know, so many nuggets of information in that episode. And again, it's all underlying providing superior service that people will talk about and give you great reviews. And by the way, if you're looking for a template, a turnkey system to train your staff to deliver this outstanding service, not only to deliver these experiences, true dining experiences, But to teach people how to sell, you got to check out Sales Stars. So head on over to restaurantrockstars.com. Check out Sales Stars. It's turnkey. It'll help you transform your business. And by the way, if you enjoy what you're hearing, again, please leave us a review on iTunes. We're getting some really positive feedback. You're enjoying the episodes. You're enjoying the guests. And it just keeps getting better and better. So stay tuned. We'll see you in the next episode.